Philippians 2 verses 14 and 15 read, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church. I am Pastor Bryce, and today I have with me just Andrew. We don't call you Pastor Andrew. (laughs) Just Andrew is fine. Theologically, you can call him Pastor Andrew. He is a pastor elder here. Thank you for being with us again, Andrew. Thank you for having me again. Well, we had to have you today because we're at the very end of this quarter on personal holiness, and we've been talking about the how of overcoming sin. We've given four very practical examples, how to overcome bitterness, how to overcome pornography, which you helped us with there, how to overcome anxiety, and now I want to talk about how to overcome grumbling. You have literally not written the book on this, but you have taught the class on this. Anyone who's been able to be at the 9 a.m. ACE class here has heard how we move from grumbling to grateful, and it has been a fantastic class. I know I'm the pastor here, and maybe I have to say that, so I don't know how to convince you that I'm not flattering, but I've personally benefited from this class. So I wanted to talk with you just a little bit about it and ask you a few more questions for those who weren't in the class or even just some clarifying questions for those who were. And to start off with, just to get a picture of grumbling here, so we identify the sin we're talking about, Andrew, what are some of the more common forms that grumbling takes in our day? I would say the the primary form that grumbling takes in our day is just just selfishness and self-centeredness. We talked about this in one of the classes about how uh, today we find people being so discontent and just disgruntled with life. And it's not because of any type of reality that they actually are existing in. It's because they see the reality or the fake reality that they see other people living in and they get very jealous of it. So you think of like a Instagram or Facebook or, you know, pick whatever social media app you want. You scroll through that and all you're seeing is people on one vacation after another and seeming to live these awesome, perfect lives. And all you think is, why am I not in that? And just builds up this this discontent within your life that results in grumbling. I would also say that there's also a self-centeredness where we want what we want. We want how we want things. We don't have the programs that we want at our church. We don't have... I mean, all the way up to they're out of the, you know, the cookies that I like at Walmart. You start grumbling about Walmart when there's, you know, 40 other types of cookies you, you could get. So I would say that the, probably the most common within our world today is just grumbling through discontent and selfishness and just being self-centered on what your life you think should be compared to where it's at today. Now, this might not be accurate. You're actually the student of history far more than I am. That's your background here. My anecdotal perception, which could be wrong, grumbling has always been an issue, I fully acknowledge, I mean, through all time. My anecdotal perception has been since 2020, when things got crazy and COVID happened and everything going on, it seems from one perspective that grumbling's been a lot easier or there's been more of it Maybe that's just because there's more things clearly to grumble about. I don't know. Has that been your experience or is that just me? I, I think so. I think that um, 
the further down, you know, this linear line of history that we go, the more that the individual was raised up as the ultimate priority, the more the grumbling is going to come in. So you have 2020 and you have everything that's happened after 2020. And it just seems like what we really have is a postmodern America, not to go down this like philosophical alley with it, but we have postmodern America where the individual is the ultimate thing. You look at any other era before that, I mean, you look at just within my lifetime, you have 9-11. After 9-11, it was America. Like, we were all going to rally around America. We were going to go find the terrorists. We we're going to go find what, whatever did this, and we're going to take care of what we need to, but we're going to do it as America. The perception is that you can't do that. And what the perception does is create this individualisticness that creates grumbling because it needs to be about me. It needs to be instead of looking outward towards what you can do for others and what you can do you know, for your church, for the Lord, it's what what's being done for me and me alone. Every generation has, just like people, its own unique temptations, certain sins that are more prominent, others that aren't. It would be interesting if you could get in a time portal. If you went back to the Great Depression of the 1930s, there are at least as many reasons to crumble then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very yeah. bad time. You don't have food. I do wonder... Because we think of that generation, lived through that, and the and World War II as the great generation, the greatest generation. It did seem there still was grumbling, but maybe because that individualism. There were other sins. I mean, there was racism. There was all kinds of problems. Okay, so don't get me wrong. I'm not idealizing it, but it does seem like when it comes to grumbling, that does seem more prominent today, especially among those of us later generations. Whereas previous generations went through hard things, harder things. And I could be wrong. It didn't seem like there was as much grumbling. It was more just the grit of like, hey, just deal with it. Yeah. Figure it out. Let's do it. I don't see as much of that today. So this is all that to say, grumbling is a big issue, especially today. And we believers are not immune. I did want one clarification, which is, so talking of different generations, you go back to the greatest generation, and they were a very great generation. You don't grumble, you just do what you got to do. One of the temptations that came with that, and one of the ways that that generation struggled, was that there wasn't really a great way to work through genuine grief and lament. Because, hey, you're John Wayne, you just buck up, be strong. And that led to suicides and distant fathers and lots of... So younger generations react against that. So maybe for us who are swinging on the pendulum in the other direction, how do we think about lament? If we're wanting to fight against grumbling about hard things happening in our life, how do we think about lament? How is lamenting in a biblical way different than grumbling? So in a biblical way, the big difference is the focus. So with grumbling, I would say nine times out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10, you're grumbling because you're not getting your way and your focus is strictly on yourself. Whereas a lament, you're acknowledging the pain that you're going through. You're acknowledging the worries that you have. You're acknowledging, you know, the questions of the plan that God is taking or in the path that God is taking you down. But at the same time, you're focusing on the Lord and the attributes and the truth of the Lord. So you have all those laments and Psalms where, you know, you have Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You have an entire paragraph of his 
It's not grumbling. It's genuine pain that David's going through. But then the very next breath, he is refocusing his mind and his thoughts on the Lord. So it is that internal struggle of living in a fallen, sinful world. What do I do with these things? You've created me in a way that thinks through these things and feels these emotions. What do I do with them? However, I'm still going to trust that you're good. I'm still going to trust that you're sovereign. I'm still going to trust that you're the authority. Help me understand these things. Help me in my unbelief, these type of things. You're still going to the Lord with these things. That's not grumbling. That's not grumbling. That's taking, as we're told to do, taking our sorrows, taking our struggles, taking our pains to the ultimate source that can help us with these things while still acknowledging what's true about him. That's a great point, especially that turning to the Lord does seem like that's a distinguishing feature, thinking of the Israelites in the wilderness. I was just reading this the other day, where the Israelites, they were always complaining about their food, you know? So they come out of Egypt, always complaining about their food. It's driving Moses crazy. Like, calm down, everybody. But there was one of the times where they're complaining, you've brought us out here to die. We have no food. And I thought in my mind, they're getting manna every day. And then the next line said, we only have this worthless food. <laughs> I thought that's a good example. That's not a genuine that, That's prayer. grumbling. Yeah, that's, that's grumbling. grumbling. That's not a genuine like God, like like David does, Psalm 22 or whatever. Like God, you can even say it. This doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm wrestling. To, I'm trying to understand. Help me understand. But that's different than just like, God, you're not good. You're not giving me what I want. It makes me think of my children, and I'm not going to say which one it was, <laughs> but one of our children has this habit of eating only as much as she knows she has to eat off of her plate, and then she'll hand it to you. And then literally before getting up from the table, she'll go, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> then when you say, well, I, st- I literally still have the plate that has food on it in my hands. You can have this. Well, I don't want that. That That's grumbling. <laughs> that is grumbling. Because <laughs> you are internally saying, I, I want a fruit by the foot, not that chicken. <laughs> so I'm not getting my way. I'm going to indirectly complain about this thing. I can't let my kids hear that to learn that new strategy <laughs> because they're right in that same boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've thought a lot about this lamenting because especially since 2020, probably because grumbling's been such a temptation and there have been hard things. We don't want to minimize the hard things. There have been a lot of teachings on lamenting and how you do that. I mean, we even did a class here on lamenting and how you do that. And I think really what we're trying to avoid is both the grit that previous generations have displayed where you just don't have emotion and then that kind of cuts off relationships. But I think also there's a fakeness that comes with saying and even trying to get yourself to feel exactly the right things without having wrestled through any of the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of the Sunday morning, like, how you doing? Oh, blessed. I'm blessed. But it's like, your marriage is falling apart. You are weeping on your way to church. You are blessed, you know. But there's almost can be a fakeness if you don't lament, you know. So being able to see that that's different than grumbling, hopefully will free people up to be able to do that. Now, Andrew, your class was called, it's coming to an end as this airs, from grumbling to grateful. And I thought I would just ask you, when you're thinking of a grateful person, so someone says, I got a problem with grumbling, I got to grow. What are they aiming at? 
maybe give us a picture of what is a genuinely, not a fake, but a genuinely grateful person even look like? I'm glad you threw in not a fake there because it's it's often the temptation and even in what you just said and the fact that, you know, we pass people in the hallway and you say, how you doing? And they're like, oh, everything's great. But you you know either through them or through the grapevine, like what's going on in their life is not great. So not being disingenuous with your responses is just as important as actually being grateful. Um, honestly, I would, a grateful person or one that's not grumbling, I'm not sure how to, how to phrase that, but somebody that, that we're looking at that's not struggling with a sin of grumbling doesn't mean that they're always on cloud nine because we still live in a fallen sinful world. So there's still struggles, there's still trials. However, how that person reacts to them. We were just talking about a book I'm reading right now, that um, Seasons of Sorrow by Tim Chalice. In through that book, you can feel his sorrow and his pain through losing his son. Like that's what the entire book is about, is just letters and notes and blogs that he wrote about losing his son. He's very open and honest about the feelings that he has through this entire time. However, no point that I've read so far has it been like a grumbling. He, he, he goes into talking about how um, he has the fear of God, but he's also afraid of God at one point. But even in saying that he's afraid of God, he's not saying that he disagrees with God taking his son or things like that. What he is saying is that he understands that his son was on loan to him. His, his son was not his own, that God called his son home. He looks forward to the day that he gets to, you know, enter the gates and, and be greeted by his son and his dad, as he says it multiple times in this book. So there, even in our sorrows and our griefs, a person that is not grumbling, a person that is grateful, also can see the joy past the sorrows. You can go through the sorrow, but you can't live in the sorrow. You have to see past that. And a person that is truly grateful is going to be one that is continually focused on the Lord, continually focused on his goodness, his attributes, the the truths that we have in the word, and that can can see past the struggles and the pains of this of this world and see towards the future that we're ultimately going to be called to. Yeah, that's good. I mean, going through seasons of suffering is almost part of what makes you a grateful person, which is odd, but it's what saves you from being a light, frivolous you know, minimizer, which I can struggle with, but it's really going through those deep, hard times where you are genuinely struggling with, like you said, where Chalice talks about even being afraid of God, like God allowed his son to die. So what else could God allow in his life? And it was not by just denying that thought and thinking, I'm not going to think about that. That's not good. God is good all the time. God is good. God is good. And just ignore that. That would make you a fairly light, frivolous person. But instead, like for Charlie's, for anyone who's C.S. Lewis, when his wife died of cancer, you go into a dark place where you now have to wrestle with, I knew God was good. I know God is good. But I didn't know that this event could fit into him being good. So there's, a, there's a, that misconception that those that are outside looking into the Christian life, that the Christian life is easy, that it's, it's you know, kind of that soft, you know, on the pill or on the, the cloud playing the harp type of, of view of Christianity. But in reality, I love the quote from uh, Beg that Christianity 
is not about how to escape the difficulties of life. It's how to face the difficulties of life. The same thing can be said with like grumbling. Like a lot of people look from the outside looking in and think that the, the Christian will only be a po- that positive, happy, flowery type of person. Kind of like basically what, what the people on the outside of the church want the people on the inside of the church to be are hippies. That's what they want. They want to look <laughs> in true. and just love and peace and all this good stuff. In reality, we sh- the Christian struggles. It, it's, a, it's a hard life because one... It's just a hard life in general, inside and outside the, the church. But now that we're in Christ, we also get hit in the face constantly about our sin and about other people's sin. But the difference is when we're getting hit in the face, it's not just a constant struggle and constant frown and gloom and doom about your life. There's still a joy in knowing that, yeah, we're fighting our sin. We live in a broken world, but we have our Savior. That is ultimately where the difference is between the outside and the inside and the difference in a, a, a happy, non-grumbling Christian is, again, taking the focus off yourself and putting it on Christ. Beautifully said. Before we wrap up, I did want to give you the opportunity, if there's anything we didn't cover here that uh, really stood out to you as you prepared and taught your class from grumbling to grateful, was there anything that really stood out to you in that? I think one thing that that stood out the most to me was in, I believe it was class six, where we talked about the anxiety, where we talked about anxiety and depression and things like that. Just even writing that class and then also like talking to my wife about that class, talking to others in the church about that class, just how we struggle as believers through anxiety and what that looks like as far as being somehow joyful even through anxiety because we're all going to we're all struggle with it and i talked about in that class that like I, I don't struggle heavily with anxiety however i feel now anxiety that i never felt before because of my kids so how do we as believers wrestle through having that anxiety in our life but also not grumble about it and it goes back to kind of like the lament that we were talking about that you know we can we can acknowledge these things to the lord and that's the place that we should be acknowledging these things but we can also still have joy in the Lord in those things. So That was the class where Warren Lyon talked about how God had worked even in that class. So Warren's a good example of exactly what you're saying, where he will struggle. You know, He'll tell you openly. You go ask him. He'll tell you. He gets discouraged, struggles, goes through a season that's very dark, very hard. But, but Warren's in like 5,000 Bible studies. <laughs> and the, the amazing thing about Warren is he'll, he'll be in the middle of that struggle and still be one of the most encouraging men that you walk into. It's true. Like he, you, you will talk to him. He'll be very open and honest about what's going on in his struggle. And at the same time, look at you and say, man, I just thank you for your leadership in this church. And I just thank you for this. And I was praying for you the other day. That is a person that is struggling through a sin but is also not grumbling. That is also fighting the fight the way that he's supposed to be fighting the fight. Absolutely true. Someone listening to this, that might be a foreign category to them. They may be the kind that just goes in the workroom and murmur, murmur, murmurs, (laughs) because that's what everybody does. And you've just thought that's just what people do. We just grumble. Or perhaps you're a Christian. You've gone through some really, really hard things lately. And you're trying to figure out how that fits with God's goodness. And you may have become tempted to grumble to God, to others, to become irritable. Whatever you thought in the past, may God help us all now by His grace to think this way. 